Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. It's my honor and privilege to bring to the stage Andrew and Wendy Palau. Would you put your hands together? Would you show your appreciation? Hello, Ivy Church. You're amazing. We are so happy to be here, just to be in Manchester and to be a part of what God is doing in your community. You know, it's very special. And one thing I really wanted to tell you tonight is don't miss it. Don't miss it because June, July will come and go and it will be August and you're going to be on holiday and you'll say, oh, I didn't really get involved as much as I should have and I didn't invite so-and-so and and I I didn't reach out to so-and-so and I didn't pray faithfully for so-and-so. Of course, you can continue to do it, but this is the moment for such a time as this and I want to encourage you for your own self, for your own soul to pour yourself into this. You know, I'm a product of this type of evangelism in 19, I'm born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica. And in 1959, Billy Graham did a Caribbean tour and he came to Kingston, Jamaica. And my grandmother became a believer at that crusade, old time crusade. And it changed our entire family. My father had a very radical conversion as a result. And in 1993, Luis Palau came to Jamaica. And my father got very involved. He's a businessman in Kingston. And Andrew Palau came to stay at our house. And little did I know what God would do and how he would, we would fall in love and Andrew would get saved in Jamaica and our lives would be intertwined with this type of mass evangelism, which is really personal evangelism in a concerted effort. So I want to encourage you. We are so honored to be here and to be part of what God is doing in in your community. And honestly, what else should we do with our lives? Truly, has God been good to you? Yes. Has he helped you? Has he been kind and generous to you? He has to me and he has to my husband, and we are committed that we are going to share the goodness of who he is wherever we go. And I pray that this would burn in your belly, that your life's goal will be to share that he is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Andrew, thank you, friends. Thanks, Wendy. It's such a privilege. Thank you for welcoming us, Ivy Church, and imagine that we're together, so beautiful, with hundreds of other churches across the Northwest for this effort. All of these efforts, there's such a beautiful coming together of so many different congregations and ministries to lift high the name of Jesus and his word and proclaim the good news as we should, right, as we are told to do, and to win as many people as possible to Jesus Christ. It's a great privilege to be invited to join with you once again. I was there um, uh, in the, in the uh, was it, what's the name of the park we were at last time? Heaton Park, right? And now we're going to be at Withenshaw Park, just where we should be. And the dates are perfect, and the location is perfect, and the timing is perfect. Imagine everything that the world has gone through in these days. 
all of the foundations that we people have set for themselves, many of our own even uh, little feeble foundations that were outside of Christ uh, just crumbled and fell apart and fell away. And people are left wondering, where do I go from here? And we know we have the answer, that simple, beautiful call of Jesus when he says, come. He invites them. He invited us. Someone was used of God to invite us to come. He says, come, follow me. I will give you the light of life and you will never walk in darkness again. Oh, I get worked up and moved. You'll get used to me. Uh, I always get worked up when I think about the goodness of God and the rescue operation he undertook on my behalf, orchestrating my life and my circumstances in such a way so that on that day that faithful people shared that simple call, the good news, and offered me that gift, right? Uh, uh, He says, come, follow me, and I will give you the light of life. You see, it's a gift, right? And just like any gift, it has to be received. Like that, I always receive that gift right there. But it, like I don't have it yet because it's over there. I was told about it. There it was. And it was given to me. And I said, oh, that's nice. But until you receive it, right, you receive that gift and, and it becomes yours. And we want to offer that gift to all who would receive it and, and implore them and beg them and urge them. I'm not a very convincing guy, I don't think, but I do know how to beg people. I'm like, tired of trying to convince people. I'm just begging them. You've got to know Jesus. What have you got going so far that's doing so well for you that you would not give Jesus Christ the opportunity he deserves? But that's what the festival is all about in our hearts. And as Wendy shared, uh, Jesus Christ has transformed our life in the most radical way. And I wanted to share that story with you tonight and encourage you uh, how God wants to use you in the, in the foundations of the festival, what we're asking people to do, you heard it on the video, Andy was mentioning it, we're asking you to, amongst all the things that you can do, and like to sponsor a, a compassion child, you can do that tonight, right now, do it tonight before you leave. If you've been compelled about helping someone in that kind of need and sharing the gospel with them around the world, do a compassion child, a sponsor a compassion child tonight. But uh, you know to p- what we're really saying uh, throughout all of these efforts, Pray for your friends. And we talked about it earlier, right? Great power in prayer. You already said you believed in it. Were you being honest? Who believes in the power of prayer? Great power in prayer. And I am as a result. I heard Daniel say, I am as a result of prayer. And I was like, yeah, me too. Great power in prayer. Pray for your friends. Walk the walk. And that's what so much of these great opportunities provide for us. A way to live sacrificially in honor of and in, in, in following the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He did not come to be served. Rather, he came to serve, right? And so we can live that example of serving our friends and our family and our neighbors in all the different ways that we're going to keep working on now through the festival and all the way to the finish line. But he didn't come only to serve, but also to give his life as a ransom for many. He laid it down 100% all the way, and he did it for you, and he did it for me, and he's given us that very purpose to carry that message forward everywhere we go. Praying for people, there's great power in prayer. Living the life, our testimony makes a difference, right? And sharing the good news, because the good news is the power of God unto salvation, right? We're not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm ashamed of myself sometimes when I don't share it, but I shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation, and it is what has transformed our life 
faithful people shared that message with us and compelled us to come in, right? They chased after me. They were faithful to me. They never gave up with me. They were patient with me. And they never gave up on the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to share a little bit of that story. And I hope it will encourage you in your efforts of those, th- of those things that we're saying tonight. Pray for your friends. Dedicate yourself in a special way tonight about who that's going to be for the festival in particular. Commit yourself to walking in holiness and sharing the good news. And then I'll give you an opportunity. Some of you might say, I'd love to share the gospel with my friends and invite them to know Jesus, but I'm kind of not right there yet. Well, hopefully I'm believing and I've been praying that tonight you would find the living God tonight. I want to introduce you to him. We're not talking about a religious chasing around and a list of do's and don'ts that you're going to work your way up some kind of ladder. The cross of Jesus Christ is not a ladder that you climb. It's a, it is something you climb upon to die, to give your life upon. And there's no other place you should be putting it because it is in that place that you will find the abundant life, a life worth living, everything you've been searching for, Every road that you've taken looking for life that has left you empty. And the the, the Bible says, the word of God says, there's a way that looks right to a person, right? But in the end, it leads to death. And maybe you've been wandering down a thousand roads and every time it looks right to you, but in the end, it leads to death. Jesus says, come and follow me. I will give you the light of life. You will never walk in darkness again. And Jesus Christ, that relationship, I want to in, you can never begin a relationship until you're introduced to someone, right? So I want to introduce you to the living God and give you an opportunity to respond to that gift of Jesus Christ and say yes. And it will revolutionize all of your life, your past and your present as well as your future. He wants it all, right? He doesn't want you to like baby step it, like a 10-step program, which are great in, in for many, many reasons. He wants it all, and he wants it now, and that's just what I want to give you an opportunity to let him do, to revolutionize the entirety of your life. He will set you free, and your life will never be the same. And as you've lived your life, you've probably experienced what we've all experienced, that even though there's this compelling reality about religion or God, and you feel like, I'm a spiritual person, I'm a spiritual seeker, and there's this compelling reality of something pulling you, and maybe you've heard about Jesus, and you've wondered about it, but you've rejected him, As much as we've been praying that you would say yes to Jesus tonight, the enemy of your soul also lurks around. And the Bible is very clear about him. Satan, the enemy of your soul, he does not want you to know about the revolutionizing power of Jesus Christ in your life to set you free. He wants to fill you with lies as he has always been a liar. In the word of God, he says... The thief comes for one purpose only, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and he will do it if you allow him. You know, our heavenly father calls us to come into the light and walk under the light of life and never walk in darkness again, but there is another one who would love to be your father, and that's Satan, and he is the father, they call him the father of all lies. And he would love for you to leave this place insecure, uncertain, unsure. But Jesus Christ says, let me come in. I will set you free. So I'm trying to tell you this as best I can. But much better than my efforts is what did Jesus himself say? So let's look at the gospel of John chapter 8. And this is the most beautiful summary place. There's certain places in the Bible where everything just seems to come together in one beautiful statement or little series of statements, the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says. 
everything that God wants for you, I see in this place. And Jesus said to those he was talking to, he said, if you hold to my teaching, to my truth, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, they answered him and they said, hey, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, aha, I tell you the truth. As opposed to Satan, who will fill you with lies, he says, I will tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave, a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or daughter belongs to it forever. So if the son, that's Jesus talking about himself, right? If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that word indeed is too little of a word. It's the best we can do. There's other translations to say set you free and free absolutely. It's not a full enough word. Everything you dream of and desire in terms of the place you're in and the position where you feel enslaved and ensnared and at the end of your rope, Jesus Christ says, I will set you free absolutely once and for all and it can begin for you this very night. What a beautiful thing. Uh, this is a rich passage, and there's so much I could say, but there's a couple things I just want to draw your attention to that I see in here. One, we were never intended to be slaves, right? Why else would God send his son Jesus to die on the cross with that very purpose to set you free unless we needed it, right? And he goes on to clarify that he wouldn't intend that for you, and, 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 and that we're all in the same boat. We're all slaves as slaves to sin. There's a passage in Hebrews that says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. So that's like you said, you might say to yourself, Andrew, I thought you said this was a good news message, right? And all you tell me about all this bad news, right? All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one's turned to their own way. He never leaves us with the truth, the hard truth of the reality of life as we live it in sin. He goes on to say, yes, all of us, you're not alone. We're all in the same boat for our various particular peculiarities. We've all gone our own way. So the question is, which way have you gone? All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to their own way. The good news, he goes right on to say, but God laid on Jesus the sins of us all. And that is the beautiful truth of the cross of Jesus Christ, that he came to set you free from the sin that, in, that enslaves us. We were never intended to be slaves. And the other thing I love about this is it talks about, uh, you know, family. So that's strange, right? You think of the idea of being in bondage and enslaved. You move from not just bondage to liberty and freedom, but from slavery to family. So the opposite of slavery is not just simple freedom to go run off and try again and do your best on your own, like a redo, like a restart. It's not that alone. It's much, much more. It's moving from slavery into family. You notice what he said. He said a, a, a son or a daughter, uh, a, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son or a daughter belong to it forever. 
So if you've ever spent time behind bars or in prison or even just lock up overnight or any place you might have found yourself where you feel that heavy sense of sequestering and you're, you're, you're locked in that prison and you're enslaved in that place, you know what that can feel like, how you desperately long just to get free. But the picture is much more than just the freedom of the gates opening up and you running out with a heavy-handed judge watching you just saying, I'll be watching you. You got off easy this time, but you better be careful it's not the picture at all. It's a picture of the, the jail cell doors opening up and you running out to receive your freedom. And on the other side is your beautiful, perfect heavenly father welcoming you with open arms saying, welcome back to the family. I've been waiting for you. We've done everything for you to receive this freedom. Come back home. Come to the family. It's a beautiful picture God gives us. Let's give him a hand. He deserves it, right? It's beautiful. So that freedom, a couple of things that I want to share with you before I just share a little bit about my story and give you your opportunity to receive it. What would it mean to receive freedom? What are we talking about? There's three things in particular that you should know that Jesus Christ will set you free from and set you free to. Before you accept or reject the gift of God that we offer you right now in his name, you should know what it means and what the repercussions are, and they're beautiful. The first thing you need to know is Jesus Christ will revolutionize your past. And I told you, he wants it all, your past, your present, and your future, right? And related to your past, everybody needs to know, what am I supposed to do with the shame and the guilt of my past and my life and all the sin that I've committed, all the things I've done, all the things done unto me, all the things I've participated in that were dark and not right, the things I should have done but I failed to do, the things I shouldn't have done but I did anyway, even though I knew better. How does it get reconciled? How does God deal with it? Jesus Christ came for that very purpose. I talked about it a moment ago. That is the reason for the cross. And you think about it, you know, the cross is so beautiful to us, but you see it on the churches and on people's chains and on their tattoos, and you may wonder, what is it about the cross that's so special? And isn't it an instrument of torture? Isn't that a horrible image? How can it be so beautiful? Well, it's because that is the place that Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty that we should have paid. There is a penalty for our sin and, the, and the, the issues of our life. But when we ask Jesus to forgive us on the basis of the fully paid penalty that he paid on the cross, this is what he promises. In Hebrews 10, he says, then from that point on, your sins and evil deeds, I will remember no more. He will deal with your past. And that's how he does it. He's a good God. Amen. What a father. In Hebrews 9, he says, I will cleanse your conscience from evil works so that you can serve the living and true God. And when I've talked about this so many times, people have said, I want to have my past forgiven, but my conscience is full of so much garbage, the things that I've done, the things done unto me. And, and listen to that beautiful promise from God himself. I will cleanse your conscience from evil works so that you can serve the living and true God. Not just to deal with it, but to set you on a course of service and purpose in his family. It's such a beautiful promise. You should probably just give him your life right now. But before you do, 
You should know he also wants to deal with your present. Many people say to me, Andrew, I think God might be so good that he will deal with my past, but, but what about today? How can I ever walk and live like that? It's impossible. I want to do good already and I can't do anything right. And I have these patterns of bad behavior and these relationships. I'm in so deep, I'll never get out. Listen to this great, beautiful promise. He will set you free. He will break the chains of bondage and the day-to-day things that harass and make you feel powerless and helpless and he'll break the chains of that slavery when you ask him to come into your life. There's a passage that says, to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. So he's right back on that same old topic, right? Like, why does he keep talking about this idea that he wants me to become his child? Because that's what he wants. He wants you to come home to him. And and, and he says, receive him. What does that mean? Well, let me put it this way. People say, you got to receive Jesus. And you're like, what are you talking about, right? They say, well, you ask him to come in. And guess what happens? He comes in. And it's, it's profound, but it's a simple request, an opportunity, an offer, an exchange. Believe in him, receive him. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to enter into your life And he will take over and he will begin to reign in your life. He'll become like the Lord of your life. All these sort of words that we use to try to describe the reality of what happens when the Holy Spirit of God comes in and takes over. You become his child. He says in Ephesians 3, I will strengthen you with power through my Holy Spirit in your innermost being. So that's what I'm offering you. That's the exchange that will take place. Replacing all other spirits and all of the garbage of your life and all the things you've ent- allowed to enter in or introduced or brought into your life, replacing all those heavy spirits, gone, replaced by the Holy Spirit of God to empower you to get a victory over the things that have enslaved you all these days. One more passage on that point. The mind that is governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Oh, isn't that what you desire? Isn't that what you've been looking for and longing for and all the things you've chased out? Life and peace through the spirit of God indwelling you once and for all and for good. I will never leave you, he says. I will never forsake you. And related to your future, the promise of heaven, John 10, 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. It's a triple promise. There's, the verse goes on, it becomes a quadruple promise, but I got to keep moving to tell you, I'm so glad that in the 27 years of my life that I lived in rebellion against God and the way of my family, people never gave up on me. Just in the same way that I'm urging you to dedicate yourself to pray for your friends and walk with God and share the good news. That is what people faithfully did for me. I was born and raised in a great Christian home. I had a great church just like this one. And despite all those blessings and many, many other blessings in my life, I'm ashamed to tell you from the earliest of ages, I turned my back on the things of God, rejected the good news, and I just loved to party. I wish I had some grand excuse to give you why I was such a fool and so rebellious. But the Bible says we're all without excuse anyway. So if I came up with any excuse anyway, you'd just have to say, sit down. You don't know what you're talking about. It's true. I had no excuse. 
But despite that, I just ran after all of the alcohol, the drugs, and the relationships that go along with that partying lifestyle for 27 years, through the university days, graduated from university. I had this great mask I wore to say everything's fine. It wasn't fine. I began to work my way up the corporate ladder, moved far away from my family to Boston, Massachusetts. You're in the Northwest. We're in the Northwest of America, if you're trying to figure out where Oregon is. That's where we are in the Northwest of Oregon. Moved all the way to the East Coast, was working out there. I slowed down my partying and my ridiculous, you know, the wildest antics of the university days. Had to slow those down a little bit because I had to get up and go to work in the morning, right? But nothing changed in my life except I began to realize that everything that started for fun had indeed enslaved me, just like I had been warned about. But the enemy's lies filled my life. It's too late for you. You'll never get out of these patterns of bad behavior. And all oh, you'll never, you'll never um, walk like a, like a Christian should. And I just kept going down further, further, further into the pit. All that time, my parents prayed for me. When everything else failed me and I looked around, who is standing in the midst of all of this tragedy and all this ridiculous behavior? It was my parents. They were full of faith, full of joy and encouragement and loved me. So their testimony mattered. Their prayers mattered. And the third thing they did is they shared with me the good news in so many ways too. They were relentless. I mean, some of you are kind of relentless too, right? And I, like dad would... First thing he did is he would go one-on-one with me, you know, and he'd say, son, I got to talk to you. Let's go for a walk. And I'd say, oh, no, not the walk, you know. (laughs) Nobody wants to go for the walk. It's so awkward, right? And you know what's coming. And sure enough, dad would walk me down the rainy streets where we live, and he'd say, son, I want to tell you God loves you. It's never too late for you. He'd tell me about the cross and the power of the Spirit and the promise of heaven. And I would feel compelled about it, you know? But I just loved my sin too much, and I would reject it. He would write me letters. You should see these beautiful letters, the heart of a father for his son. And it's like the same old thing. Long introduction as pastors are prone to giving, and then boom, right into the message of the cross, the Spirit. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy has never give up. And I'm so glad I'm a pack rat, because I still have those letters. But I would stick it on the shelf, and he would sick people like you after to me and I would see you come in and I'd be like, oh no, are you kidding me? And like dad's friends would come into the place I worked and say, you know, I'm in town and I thought maybe we could go to lunch and I'd be like, oh no. And there you are, you know, sitting at the coffee shop and they got the napkin and they're drawing a little, who's on the throne of your life, Andrew? And you're like, oh, I don't know. This kid would leave me alone. You know, I just want to party. I'm, I was such a foolish, foolish young man, but I am so grateful that they were kind enough to persevere through the awkwardness and testify over and over and over until that beautiful day in 1993 when my father called me up, just like we're encouraging you to call up your friends and your family and your children and your parents and say, I want to invite you to this thing. We're very involved. I've been involved in it. Maybe you've seen the advertising. I want you to come. They invited me to a festival. I was living in Boston, February, two feet of snow uh, where I lived, and I didn't really want to go to the Christian festival but I did want to go to Jamaica. And that's where this festival was. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I'm thinking about red striped beer, the beach, the sun, Bob Marley. I know how to handle this Christian thing. And I was like, I love my parents and I want to get warm. So those were my intentions, right? But you never know what God will use. Uh, God had been orchestrating my life and circumstances for this very moment where I would go out there. I had no intention at that time. Just like you came here, you may have said, I have no intention of 
dealing with my spiritual life. But now here you are, and you feel the Lord calling you and pressing you. Don't wait another day. I was there in that moment. I had met some young people, my wife Wendy, her brother Chris. God was doing this incredible work in and among them. And as I observed their life, and I saw what you saw in Wendy's face, their love for the Lord, her passion for the Lord, her gratitude for the rescue operation, uh, and I saw it in her, and I thought, if it could work for them, why not me? And then I heard that message every night. It was kind of weird because it was my dad. You know, that's kind of weird. But who cares, right? For me in that moment, it was just like me and God. And I finally humbled myself. I said, God, if you're real, I want to know, will you please forgive me? And can you guess what he did? As he promises, he says, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and able to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I begged him, please God, if it's not too late. And he took it and he lifted the shame and the guilt of my life. And he, he, he healed me of my addictions. He put me on a new path, gave me new desires for my heart. And everything became new in that moment. And I met my amazing Wendy. So that was a big deal. So you never know what might happen, right? So I share all that to encourage you, never give up, even with the most difficult people in your life. When we urge you today to make that commitment to pray for your friends, whatever God shows you and reveals to you in this moment, maybe it's the same old person that you prayed for a thousand times and you've tried in every effort, it seems like a rejection, don't give up. Maybe that's who God will put on your heart, but maybe someone unique and special will come to your heart and mind. Be dedicated to whatever he tells you. I, urge you, never give up. Pray for your friends, invite them to know Christ, and share the gospel. And then for some of you who are maybe here saying, you know, I would love to do all that, but right here, I am much more like where you were, and I need to get my life right with God before I could do any of that. And I would say to you, do it, and do it now, and we can help you. I will help you. Let's bow our head. And here's what you can do. Just like I was encouraged that day, to just turn my heart to God and say, God, if you're real, I want to know. Soften my heart, open my eyes. Lord, if you're real and you're willing to forgive me, you can just pray to him and say, Heavenly Father, I love you and I do believe in you. Thank you for going to the cross to pay the penalty that I should have paid. Please forgive me. Clean me out. Thank you for forgiving me. And I receive you now. I say, I'm coming to you. You said, come, and here I am. And now I say to you, come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Take over. I want to know my identity. I want to know my purpose. Thank you for coming in. I need power. I haven't had it before. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And thank you for heaven, my home. And I will never fear death again. Father, thank you. Now show me what to do and I will do it. I will serve you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Beautiful, huh? What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful opportunity.
And I mentioned to you earlier, we've been praying for you, right? So one thing I'd really love for you to do, because we deserve it, okay? <laughs> right? I know it's a little selfish of me, but if you prayed that prayer, I want to know, and I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer tonight, maybe you knew him in the past, but you've wandered so far, but tonight you say, I'm coming to walk with Jesus. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever prayed that prayer. If you prayed, will you let me know by just holding your hand up so I can see you? Anybody here tonight pray and receive Christ? Anybody at all? Beautiful. What a beautiful night. And for the rest of you, we're going to talk a little bit further about what it would mean to make that commitment and really take advantage of the festival for its intended purpose. Wendy mentioned it. It's not mass evangelism. It's personal evangelism in a concerted effort. You heard when she mentioned that. Think deeply about that. If we're going to reach into all the corners of Manchester, how are we going to do it? With the big ad campaign? No. That will help us tremendously. But the only way we will really reach out and grab those are the ones that you know that we don't know, that you know that Dan Daniel doesn't know. God has put you into relationships and put you into a, a place in this world for the very purpose that you would take advantage of those relationships for the purpose of introducing them to the living God. So what I'd like to do is let Daniel, the worship band will play. And if you prayed that prayer and maybe you just weren't sure about how to respond. Will you just come and meet with me? I'll meet with you here, meet with Wendy. We'll pray for you. If you have other prayer needs, maybe you have relationships that need attention and you'd like us to pray for that, for any physical healing or anything that is on your mind, any burdens that you're carrying, let us pray with you. Would you do that? And I'll be here and some of the prayer team as the worship band carries forward. Let them have it, guys. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.